Hello and welcome to More Than Mando Show, a Star Wars podcast brought to you by the Nerdosphere. This evening, we will be discussing Book of Boba Fett chapters 2 and 3, The Tribes of Tatooine, and The Streets of Mos Espa. Chapter 2 was written by John Favre, directed by Steph Green. Episode 3 was written by John Favre and directed again by Robert Rodriguez. Uh, we will jump straight into Chapter 2, uh, which we missed t- talking about last week. Um, not a whole lot happened in that episode, so it's kind of worked out for the best. The bulk of the episode was a uh, flashback for Boba. Uh, continuing his time with the uh, Tusken Raider tribe that he was with. Uh, We see him help them deal with a hollow train that is run by the Pikes, which is a criminal syndicate that we've seen throughout Star Wars, most notably in the Clone Wars. Um, They were also allied with uh, Darth Maul's uh, criminal enterprise empire uh, during his um peak before he uh falls off the face of the earth uh before popping back up in rebels um we get a pretty cool easter egg in that episode with um when he goes and fights the biker gang in the cantina in that episode there's a guy and a girl in there middle-aged guy and girl and those two are Luke's friends from a deleted scene in A New Hope. Um, I didn't know some, that. Yeah, there are some scenes. You've probably seen the scene where uh, Luke and Biggs are talking and looking up into the sky and they see like a Star Destroyer and their Biggs is kind of telling them that he's going to fight the fight and Luke's kind of like... I don't know if I want to do that, but I don't want to stay here. That's kind of a famous deleted scene. Well, there's more deleted scenes taking place in that same time. And Biggs and Luke are with this guy and this girl that are in the uh, cantina that Boba comes in and beats up these bikers. So I thought that was kind of cool. They kind of... It's like a deep cut Easter egg, but at the same time, it's almost like they're canonizing some of the deleted scenes that Lucas couldn't put in uh, due to time constraints and stuff. So Hmm. definitely pretty interesting. And uh, I would say the most notable thing about episode two is the fact that I think we were watching a live stream of the actor playing Boba Fett making his Tuscan cane. Good God. I felt like they were really trying to reach a time limit in that episode there it was a long longer episode they spent a lot the first five minutes were modern time current time we see the twins show up which are Jabba the Hutt's cousins coming to take over his territory Boba Fett's like nah I'm already here they're very frisky with each other their slug tails are all intertwined Mm-hmm. And uh, we get the live action reveal of Black Kersantan, who is a wicked Wookiee bounty hunter. 
and he is cross paths with Obi-Wan Kenobi. That's how actually the scar on his face. That's Ooh. from Obi-Wan Kenobi. Okay. Um, he's was in the employ of Jabba the Hutt. Uh, before that, he was a gladiator. He was uh, most Wookiees were slaves in the Star Wars universe, and he mm-hmm. was no exception. He was a gladiator uh, before becoming a bounty hunter and becoming more of a free agent than a slave. And now he is in the employ of uh, the twins and we see him um, give the stink eye to Boba Fett before diving into a 50 minute um, background (laughs) situation. (laughs) I didn't dislike the episode, but it didn't really progress a whole lot for me. I ended up just kind of being just okay that i mean it's okay to fill in the stuff it just they spent a lot of time filling in the gaps i just didn't think it was interesting so you know like when we're watching mando and people complain about like a freak of the week-esque episode and we're like well that's kind of what this show is like it's not promising to like every episode in an epic fashion prolong or like move the narrative along um but at least like interesting things are happening i think the ice planet was the most infamous one where people were like i mean this is cool but like nothing's happening it's like well there's a lot of cool things happening this episode it's just not about the larger story i just didn't feel like a lot happened and that's my problem with it it's like i'm okay with it not necessarily moving things but i want to be intrigued by what i'm seeing and i just don't fucking care about the tuscan raiders in this capacity they just took too long is the problem i'm interested in the tuscan raiders and i'm interested in boba's uh, background, but not for how much time we spent in that episode. So um, the culmination of that episode was their truce kind of with the Pikes. They set up where the Pikes now pay tribute to the Tuscans, or at least they laid the foundations to start doing that. Um, and then the episode ends. So then we jump into episode three and uh, this one is a little bit better. We get some uh, flashback, but not a whole lot. We see uh, Boba uh, continue this um, basically from where it left off in episode two in the flashback. He goes into town to formally meet with the Pikes and collect protection money but the pikes decide to say nah we're already paying protection money to these bikers who we already had run-ins with and we're not going to pay protection twice and boba's like well i'll go take care of it so then he goes back home to the tuscan raiders and while he was gone they all died (laughs) They were all killed by the biker gang that he uh, roughed up in episode two. And that's where that was left off. The uh, episode three did the opposite of episode two and basically only spent five minutes in flashback and the rest of it was modern time, which was much better in my opinion. Yeah. I really struggled. I liked episode three more than episode two for sure. Um, 
I'm still trying to get past this notion. It, it feels like Boba's been nerfed a little bit, especially compared to how he was in Mandalorian. Like, I just don't feel like he's a badass anymore. And nothing is at like, this is immediately after his final appearance in Mandalorian season two. Um, the thing that I found most off-putting was the biker gang, the kids that he hires, and how cheesy and fucking ridiculous it was. And like the whole speed, the, the speeder chase scene was not shot very well. They kept trying to force perspective where like they were not moving quickly, but they're trying to make it look like they're moving quickly. Mm-hmm. And it was really funny. And I could not stop laughing, but I was watching with Morgan and she goes, why does this make me feel like I'm watching spy kids? And I was like, because Robert Rodriguez directed fucking spy kids and he (laughs) is a fucking cheese ball. And so I just could not get over the fact that I was there kind of stewing. And I was like, this is so bad. And why is it so lame? And then she had like made that correlation without even realizing who was directing the episode. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I, Aside from that, I really enjoyed the episode. I I also laughed out loud when they all jumped on their bikes and took off after the speeder. And I was like, they are all moving so slow. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so obvious that that whole sequence was definitely a fail, unfortunately. But there was a lot of good things in this episode. The battle got, with What's-His-Face was great. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, but we got uh, Boba kind of continuing to do things a different way, which I think is contributing to his quote unquote feeling nerfed. He's mm-hmm. not, he's trying to do things without violence. He's trying to do things without fear. He's trying to build from the ground up this new crime family of his on respect. So that's why he recruits these kids who stole water from this merchant, but he finds out that the merchant's like way overcharging. So he's like, lower your prices to the merchant. And then instead of, you know, harping on these kids, he's like, why don't you guys come work for me? And so he's trying to basically build up, He's trying to steer them in the right direction, I guess, is what, as, as at least as right as you can be when you're a crime <laughs> situation. Yeah. I will say uh, uh, I don't agree with the internet. But I, I saw people on the internet have qualms with how the speeders looked. And while I will agree, at first it was a little off-putting, but when you look back and see the, the sweet, sweet ride that Bail Organa was riding around in, I was like, well. Yeah. And the diner There's, that Kenobi and uh, Dex meet in, like Lucas definitely tried to put his love for that era of hot rods and shit into his films at some juncture. Definitely. And these were an homage to that. And if, if you're going to have issues with shiny things in Star Wars, you really have to continue to have a gripe with Lucas because he mm-hmm. is the one who brought shiny things into star wars that's so he uh he opened the door he did and i don't think it's beyond the realm of realism for you know somebody our age in star wars after the trilogy because remember this is after 
the trilogy. We're starting to creep into new order and sequel mm-hmm. territory. I mean, there's going to be new improved things. And these kids probably like kids today, they want to buy new, the newest and shiniest thing, even if they can't afford their basic needs. <laughs> right. Uh, so I didn't necessarily have a problem with it. The problem was the, how slow they were in the sequence. <laughs> that, that was the problem. They, I think they, they just tried too hard, I guess, to have a lot of it on practical. But man, you could just, it's like they're on like little like Vespa. Not even Vespa's move faster than what they Yeah, Vespa's move faster than that. They're like little, uh, mall, little mall cops. <laughs> but you teased it. Uh, we did not have to wait long for Mean Muggin Kersantin to uh, take his shot at Boba. He wakes him up from his back to tank bath. Um, and he takes on Boba, Finnick, the two Gamorrean pigs, and all four of the millennial bikers. And the only way they stop him is by dropping him into the Rancor pit and trapping him. Like, dude is a beast. And that whole fight scene was awesome. He was a beast until they made him run out of frame when he was released later. And I couldn't stop laughing because you have this really intimidating guy. And then all of a sudden, he just like (laughs) very awkwardly, (laughs) he just like jogs off. He just runs so slow. He's a big boy. What do you think? But it looks so funny. (laughs) We just came off this high of this fucking badass scene. And then Boba's like, think about how Chewbacca ran. He's like, Chewbacca was a slow jogger too. The only thing that was missing, and honestly, this would have saved the episode after that speeder scene, was the camera should have lingered on him for just three to four more seconds and it just be silent with like the wind as you just watch him running (laughs) that would have been glorious that would have been awesome (laughs) i will say before we get off of kersantan uh i was super surprised that boba didn't offer him a job i was a little surprised too i was like this is is where you start bringing in bounty hunters to right yeah so we'll see. Maybe it's the fact that they just almost fought to the death and, you know, Kersantin's a bounty hunter and not really a man for hire, but Boba was a bounty hunter before too. And now he's the leader of, or the trying to be a leader of this crime family. Right. But I wouldn't be surprised if we see him pop back up to pay back the favor of not killing him. Yeah. So. Uh, and then we get uh, the twins showing back up and they uh, tell Boba that they're dipping because their territory has been promised to somebody else. And they give Boba a gift, which is a new Rancor, a baby Rancor, mm-hmm. fresh out the Rancor breeding den. And he... Uh, impresses himself on the rancor mm-hmm. um danny trejo danny trejo makes Hello. his uh robert rodriguez <laughs> premiere they're always together and he is the um handler for the rancor and boba drops some hints of to what we could probably see of the rancor and he's wanting to learn how to ride the rancor yeah. because they are used 
as mounts on some planets. You bet your booty in the galaxy far, far away. That's going to be in the finale. Yep. And I don't know if you caught this or not, but he said that he's ridden beasts much larger than that, which is a callback to the holiday special animated <laughs> where we see Boba for the first time and he comes riding in on this giant Loch Ness monster. Didn't even realize that's what that was a reference to. Yep. It's canon. <laughs> Don't forget. It's Don't canon. You, you try to forget, but you can't. It's canon. We've never actually fully watched the Star Wars special. I've seen, I don't know if I've watched it from the beginning to the end, but I've definitely seen enough of these segments to say that I've seen it. I feel like we need to make Tim watch it. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. The Rancor is cool, though. I like, <clears throat> I like that they fleshed out it as a creature more, and it makes the how emotionally distraught Jabba's handler was mm -hmm. when the Rancor died in Return of the Jedi because these things are basically just like giant dogs. Like they are very right. affectionate, they're very affectionate and loving of those who it thinks is its owner or parent. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was kind of cool, adding a little extra texture things. And again, I, I'm always a fan of subtle things that trickle backwards. So now yes. when I go back and rewatch Return of the Jedi, I have a new perspective on the Rancor um, as a deeper layer, which is, I think, really cool. Mm -hmm. Definitely. It'd be like if a crime boss dropped you into a pit of pit bulls. Yeah. And you, the only way to survive this pit of mean pit bulls was to kill them. And you did. And then the Pitbull's owner came running in at the end. Exactly. Said. Um, but speaking of trickle back, um, what do you think, Clayton, is the significance? It seems like we're in episode three now. Three times we've yeah. seen this flashback of young Boba on Camino watching Django fly off into the distance. And it's kind of like the same scene. It's not like it's getting longer each time. So what do we think is the significance of this thing that they keep focusing on. I don't know. I don't, I don't think that there is one to be honest. I think that they're just trying to hammer into our heads that this is the same character hmm. for those who may not know. So that's, that's my only guess. I don't think that it's, it's anything special. I will say that the whole dream thing I'm trying, I'm still like waiting and trying to figure out the purpose of it aside from it being the mechanism for sending us to the flashback. I mm -hmm. don't understand why he's still in the back to tank every night. He must, cause he looks way, he looks night and day better. Mm -hmm. Boy is not fucked up anymore. So it must have been way worse than what he even looks like now like he still has all this internal damage from being in the starlight pit i mean i'll, I'll say not... this that you know morgan likes star wars but she's a very casual observer she thought the flashbacks were happening because of the back to tank and i had to explain like well it's a, it, not really like he's he's in there healing and then and he's, he's just he's having, having nightmares these, yeah. yeah so i will say that for those who aren't like diving into like the visual dictionaries and stuff like that like it probably isn't super clear on like what the back to tank serves for. Yeah, but I I like Star Wars because it doesn't hold people's hands. That's fair. 
So even in Empire Strikes Back, when Luke is in the back to tank, I don't even know if they even call it a back to tank. <laughs> He's just <Yeah>. in water <laughs> and comes out healed. So, <laughs> in um, fact, uh, I I agree. I, I like it because Star Wars doesn't hold your hands. In fact, Star Wars exceeds all other fiction when it slaps your hand away. And the best example of that is The Last Jedi, where it is peak Star Wars uh, storytelling, where it says, no, you don't get to love this because I'm going to give you something you don't want. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Uh, And then the episode ends with revealing uh, who the territory was promised to and lo and behold it's the pikes so the pikes are uh playing a big part in what's going to happen going forward uh and again the pikes are connected to um the i think it's the black sun or the crimson sun the mall uh crime family that's allied with several others so Maul's at the head of like this Crimson Sun, but then they're also allied with a few other big crime things and Maul's at the head. Um, and as far as we know, I would like, we don't really know when he kind of stops being this crime Lord, because when we see him uh, in rebels, he finds Ezra and Kanan and he's like, he's been crash landed on this planet <laughs> that has a Sith temple on it and is kind of like an old curmudgeon or pretending to be an old curmudgeon. So we can assume by that point, his crime situation has failed, but we, we don't have a whole lot filled in yet from clone wars and Han Solo to then. Yeah. Although I, I say all that, Maul's dead now. Maul is dead. So I guess the only reason I'm bringing all that up is because he's, we may see some connection to what he built as far as the Crimson Suns and stuff, but we're not going to see Maul. I just, I got lost talking about Maul and then realized that people may think we're going to see Maul. We're not going to see Maul. No, we would only would have seen Maul if we ended up getting a solo sequel. Yeah. So, um, but again, we don't really know what happened to his uh, crime family. We just know that he showed back up, kind of back down to square one when we see him in Rebels. So, yeah. But a lot of that, uh, I don't know. We could see Han Solo's girl. A lot of people think we're going to see Han Solo's girlfriend from solo show up because we don't know anything more about her. I, uh, I have cameos spoiled for me because uh, I accidentally read an article that didn't say it was going to give spoilers. So I kind of know some big things happening in the tail end of this show. So I'll be excited. If they're real. <clears throat> I feel like it is. We haven't seen boss yet. And that was supposedly real. He is real. They're going to bring him in. We'll see. If they don't bring Bosk into the show, I'm going to cry. <laughs> I'm going to say it's the worst Star Wars TV show live action we've gotten yet. That's what I'll say. There's only two. 
I know I'm being dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> it's still better than Captain Falcon. That's true. So, um, uh, yeah, that's basically the episode. Um, I can as- only assume that next week we'll see some sort of meeting or, you know, conflict between Boba and I mean, we got a ton of pikes. We got a ton of pikes unloading. So. Yeah, and they're showing up like on the normal transport ship. It's not like they're showing up in their sh- their ships. You know, they're mm-hmm. not showing up with their own fleet. They're like kind of trying to sneak in almost. Yeah. And we also, another question that's raised in my mind is this mayor is kind of like flip-flopping as far as importance. Like you only hear about him in the first episode and you think that he's going to be like, some new threat because of how he's acting, but then I'm when not, you actually not giving meet an offering him, or anything, right? Yeah, but then when they go and meet him, he's like an old curmudgeon, like nasty looking old man, doesn't seem to have any power. And then now we're finding out that the mayor's the one who promised the pikes the territory, and the huts are backing off because of it. Like, if the huts are backing off because this mayor promised the territory to somebody else, like, who is this mayor? He's that stupid little weird swoopy fish alien. I know, but who is he that can promise Hut's territory and they just back off? Like that's it does seem strange. There is there, it, the mayor is an inconsistent uh character. Um because he felt the need to like run away too. Like well, I don't think he was even there. True. Um, but you think that is, I don't know. I was going to say you think his assistant would feel more secure, but if Bob was banging down your door, then I guess you would run. But yeah, um, I don't know. Just uh, the mayor's weird. It's a weird, weird plot point. We'll have to wait and see if it develops into anything or if they're just kind of using him as a mechanism to move certain plot points. Yeah. In fact, uh, I had never heard of a daimyo. Um, before and morgan had looked it up and on google it's actually a reference to feudal japan and their hierarchy of control in their villages and towns Uh, and the daimyo is someone who is a mass landowner who basically oversees uh, farmers and other villagers and stuff and they're basically like the head honcho only to um like the emperor in that area so i guess so that's where I was also a little bit confused is like, obviously Star Wars pulls from Japan culture, Japanese culture all the time um, for their aesthetic and stuff. Um, but in this particular instance, the daimyo almost seems like it should be over the mayor, but based on what the daimyo actually is IRL, it seems like the mayor should be on top of the daimyo. Right. Speaking of which, we also get a little bit of lore dump as far as mas espa's uh other crime families i think mm-hmm. they name dropped three crime families that the that mas espa was broken up into um so maybe we'll see boba approach these other families to try to get the pikes to back off i don't know it'd be interesting to see how those guys play a part so. yeah no definitely All right. I think 
we caught and talked about everything. Um, anything else that you can think of that we need to bring up? No, uh, not much. Cause like, I think my only critiques, I almost like want to hold them back because like the actor who plays Boba is having the time of his life mm-hmm. and definitely has waited 20 long years to play this character again. Uh, and I just, anytime his helmet's off, he's just, I'm not vibing with him. <laughs> so like, I, I'm trying not to be critical because like, I don't want to just like dunk on someone who's like living their dreams. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but I just, I, he, I feel like he needs to put the helmet on. <laughs> he takes off the helmet too much. I will say that when he's not in Boba's palace, when he stands there and then like takes it off to then converse, mm. they need to stop doing that. You know what they also need to stop doing? He needs to just leave it on. This is the equivalent, in my opinion, this is the equivalent of your pet peeve when you have a hard helmet and you take it and then the next scene it's a soft hood pulled back. (laughs) Yeah. This is the equivalent. Boba taking off this helmet and then it goes sound effect. It's like it's depressurizing. There's nothing keeping it pressurized. No, but that's Star Wars. (laughs) I mean. No. It's Star Wars. And in fact, like this is this is a he's very... wearing Mandalorian armor that's mostly cloth. I mean, come on, like same <laughs> with Din, he's wearing Mandalorian armor. It's Beskar, and we're we're supposed to believe that he is invulnerable, even though most he's mostly covered by cloth. Yeah, it's just it's Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> on that note, though, I'm on season uh, three of daredevil and towards the end of season two there's a scene where he's talking with electra and he's having this really intimate moment that he wants to have with her and he goes to take off his hood and it's a it's a uh batman is it batman return no batman and uh what's the batman and catwoman movie called batman returns is it Batman returns okay mm-hmm. it's that one with michael keaton there's an infamous scene where he goes to rip off the the rubbery uh mask and uh, when it has him in frame at first, he has like the makeup under his eyes and then it goes back to him where he rips the mask off. The makeup is gone. And so it looks really awkward. <laughs> he rips it off. Mm-hmm. They did that in Daredevil where he goes to take his helmet off. And when it cuts back to him, he's pulling it off and there's no black cloth at all on his neck and on his head. <sighs> yeah. Irks me. It's very very strange that they feel like they have to do that. Like it's okay that he's wearing like a hood underneath this cowl. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> but I definitely feel like uh, from now on, I'm just going to be star Wars. You know, it's cool. outside. I'm going to put my hood up and go. Yeah. You got to pressurize. <laughs> got to pressurize. <laughs> I mean, stormtroopers helmets will do that too. When they take it off. I mean, I guess that's true. It doesn't make it any less lame. <laughs> star Wars, man. <laughs> All right, that's fine. That's all I have to say. It was <laughs> it was definitely one of the better episodes, but Robert Rodriguez needs to uh, pu- re- pull back his spy kid urge and give us more of like machete yeah. stuff. Like I want cool action. I don't want fucking shark boy and lava girl. Yeah, and you, I think you hit the nail on the head. Their focus was practical, which is good. That's where I want their head to be. But it just didn't work in this, in that scene. So, nope, not at all. 
All right. Well, that does it for this week. Uh, I agree. This was the best episode so far. I can't wait to see how this show continues to develop. I think it's just going to continue to get better and better um, until the end, but that remains to be seen. So until next week, we are the more Mando show, a star Wars podcast brought to you by the Nerdosphere. If you like our show, scroll on down and give us a review on your listening platform of choice. Spotify now has the ability to rate podcasts. So if you're on Spotify, make sure you give us a rating. If you're on iTunes, give us a little rating and leave us a review if you would like to, but until next time, we will be discussing chapter four of Book of Boba Fett. May the force be with you. Goodbye. Bye.